Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to insert a quick disclaimer. Today's topic includes mature themes that aren't suitable for all audiences, and as always, we will be discussing some pretty spooky stuff, so listeners' discretion is advised. Thank you for your understanding, and without further ado, let's get into today's episode. It means something different to everyone. For some, it's a little white house at the end of a quiet lane, overflowing with the nostalgia of childhood memories and heartfelt family traditions. For others, it's a small overpriced apartment, one that's filled to the brim with mix-match furniture, college textbooks, and packages of ramen noodles in the pantry. It's plain to see, we all have a different sense of the word home. But remarkably, these varying descriptions capture the same fundamental idea Home is a safe haven, where we can feel at peace. Or at least that's what it's supposed to be. Although on some occasions, these safe havens betray us, becoming more of a battleground for conflicts taking root. Those conflicts, too, will often look different for everyone. They might emerge externally, encompassing everything from plumbing issues to roommate disagreements or even neighborly quarrels, the likes of which make it nearly impossible for us to feel comfortable in our own homes. On the other hand, internal conflicts are just as discomforting, all too often guiding us to suffer in silence within the walls of a homemade prison. But what happens when these conflicts are no longer internal or external affairs, and instead stem from a realm beyond our human existence? Well, as we will soon see, it takes very little for these sort of contentions to escalate into dire predicaments. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. If you're familiar with the NYC real estate scene, then you're likely well aware that Greenwich Village stands out as an exceptionally desirable neighborhood. In fact, with a population of nearly 30,000 residents, the village is likely one of the most coveted residential areas on the Lower West Side. And for good reason, too. You see, back in its heyday, Greenwich Village was known for being a creative space. During the early 20th century, for instance, the neighborhood was popular among artists and writers, each of whom were deeply inspired by their urban surroundings. As time went on, the village played a pivotal role in birthing the modern LGBTQ movement, while simultaneously nurturing the countercultural ideals of the 1960s. Today, the area is known for its iconic restaurants, quiet outdoor spaces, and unparalleled diversity. Simply put, Greenwich Village offers the quintessential New York lifestyle that's so commonly depicted in early 90s sitcoms without belittling its historical significance. There's truly no wonder why this neighborhood remains so popular amongst New York locale. And with such a vibrant history, it's difficult to imagine any shadows lurking here. But of course, I wouldn't be sharing this with you if that were entirely the case. Sitting inconspicuously at the heart of Greenwich Village, the apartments at 14 West 10th Street offer its residents a peek into that very darkness. Though it doesn't look like much, with its simple brick facade and large arched windows, the building has seen its fair share of history and tragedy. Oh, and apparently, these dwellings aren't just home to an array of artists, students, and retirees. No, if the rumors are true, this is a house for the dead. 
When construction began, back in 1856, it wasn't supposed to be anything more than a single-family home. Although, as the years passed, this modest residence took on a more sinister reputation. You see, in the 167 years since it was first erected, the house on 10th Street has seen a considerable number of fatalities, 22 of them to be exact. I know, that seems quite high, especially considering that many buildings this age don't see a single instance of death at any point in their history. So really, I guess it makes sense that this seemingly normal home gained a rather formidable nickname, one that was only solidified with each morbid incident that occurred within its walls. They call it the House of Death. It's a fitting moniker, don't you think? I mean, even if it is quite grisly, the name really does hit the mark, in more ways than one, even. As a matter of fact, the apartments that now make up this property are said to be haunted by the spirits of these long-lost souls. And according to the tenants, at least, the activity is damn near impossible to ignore, with reports ranging from simple cold spots and uneasy feelings of being watched, all the way to encounters with full-bodied apparitions. Now, if you're anything like me, you're probably already wondering who exactly these spirits are. And for that matter, why did they continue to remain in such an unsuspecting place? Well, if you're up for the challenge, let's take a walk through this little house of horrors and see if we can find that out for ourselves. Truth be told, this haunt's chilling story begins with what I can only describe as a series of extremely unfortunate events, the likes of which are not for the faint of heart. So before we go any further, I'd like to extend a quick warning that this story, at least for a moment, is about to get a whole lot more grisly. So if you'd like to skip ahead a few minutes, now's the time. The first of these incidents occurred back in 1897, when celebrity cyclist Fred H. Andrew purchased the townhome at 14 West 10th Street. It was a hot summer's day when Andrew took his bike out for a ride through Greenwich Village. Now, given the warm weather, the New York streets were crowded with pedestrians looking to take advantage of the summer sun. Ordinarily, this wouldn't be a problem for Andrew. After all, he was a pro cyclist who was more than capable of navigating a crowded sidewalk on his bike. However, as we are about to see, the residents of 14 West 10th Street are known to experience supreme bad luck. And Fred H. Andrew was no exception to this rule, a fact that became utterly clear when he collided with an eight-year-old boy, breaking his leg in the process. Needless to say, it was a horrific scene one that ultimately landed Andrew in jail, leaving his new abode vacant, at least for a time. Now, eventually, the property did change hands, falling in the lap of another renowned individual who had some haunting claims of his own, but more on that in a moment. Another tragedy unfolded nearly a hundred years later, after this single townhome was converted into an apartment building. At the time, Joel Steinberg, a New York defense attorney, lived in one of those apartments with his partner, Hida Newsbaum, alongside their illegally adopted daughter, Lisa. Yes, you heard that right. Elizabeth Lisa Steinberg wasn't legally their daughter. And it gets worse. 
As near as I could tell, Steinberg more or less abducted Lisa after her mother put her up for adoption. I should explain. Michelle Launders was a single mother who contacted Joel Steinberg for help. She was looking for a suitable and safe family to adopt her daughter Lisa, and she felt that Steinberg could aid her as an attorney. He, of course, agreed, taking little Lisa under his wing. But instead of honoring her mother's wishes, Steinberg simply took the girl home. He didn't even sign adoption papers, a fact that makes their relationship illegal and, well, creepy. There's no other way to say it. And to make matters worse, this was neither a suitable or safe situation for Lisa. It was 6.40 in the morning on November 1st, 1987, when 911 operators answered a horrific call. Lisa Steinberg had been attacked by her so-called father. She was just six years old. Later that day, Joel Steinberg was arrested and charged with first-degree manslaughter. His conviction came over 14 months later, when he was found guilty of those charges. I know, it wasn't exactly a speedy path to trial, but here's the real kicker. Steinberg was released from his jailhouse back in 2004, meaning that he only served two-thirds of his 25-year sentence. It goes without saying that freak accidents and vicious murders do not solely make up the framework of this home. However, these incidents do cast a chilling aura upon the building's overall facade. This fact was undeniably true back in 1900, when yet another well-known figure took up residence at 14 West 10th Street. Although, at the time, Mr. Samuel Clemens, or should I say, Mark Twain, was a vehement skeptic. You see, Twain lived in this townhome for a single one-year period, spanning from 1900 to 1901. By the time that he moved in, the residents already had a reputation for being the most haunted house in Greenwich Village, though the accusation didn't trouble Mark in the slightest. After all, he had written ghost stories before, and as far as he was concerned, they had never been anything but fictional. Now, be that as it may, the author experienced some strange activity while living on 10th Street, and even he had trouble explaining how these anomalies occurred. On one occasion, for instance, Twain witnessed a large piece of kindling floating above the fireplace. It was a startling sight, one that only got stranger as he watched the log drop to the floor. Because as he began to investigate, Twain discovered fresh blood spatter along with splintered wood in front of the fireplace. According to one of my sources, at least, he initially attributed the experience to a supposed animal that had somehow found its way into the residence. Although even Twain had to admit that no intruders, animal or otherwise, were with him inside the townhouse. So, it would seem, he was the only living soul to be found. Suffice to say, Samuel Clements didn't exactly have a peaceful experience living at 14 West 10th Street. But if the rumors are true, he may be making up for that now during his afterlife. 
According to several more modern-day residents, the skeptical author is likely one of the most active spirits who shares the building they call home. In fact, Twain's ghost is commonly seen on the first floor and along the staircase, more often than not, sporting a rather sour demeanor. Take the following experience, for example. On one occasion, an apparition that fit Twain's description manifested before two startled occupants, apparently with the sole intention of airing out his grievances. He walked right up to them and casually mentioned having an unsettled matter to resolve. Then, just as quickly as he appeared, he vanished right before their eyes. And so, they were left to wonder if there was any truth behind the legend. Could the house of death truly be haunted? And if it is, just how many ghostly residents are still calling this place home? By now, it should be quite apparent that many believe the house of death to be haunted by more than just ghosts. It's a cursed reputation that has become all but undeniable, fueled by the many unsettling experiences and unexplained deaths that have quite literally stained its walls in a crimson red. Of course, this claim has been met with at least some skepticism, as many view these freak incidents as nothing more than unsubstantiated coincidences. But even so, it's hard to deny that the residence at 14 West 10th Street is incredibly unlucky. I mean, based on sheer frequency and consistency alone, these occurrences seem to be, well, paranormal. So before we end today's episode, I think it's only fitting that I share one final story, one that brings the nature of this curse and its many haunts into a whole new light. It was 1957 when Jan Bryant Bartell and her young daughter found their new home on 10th Street, settling into a generously sized apartment on the top floor of a century-old building. Now this dwelling held a unique historical significance, having previously served as a servant's quarters, although that was not the reason why Bartell was interested in this particular unit. Being a creative and a psychic medium herself, Bartell was well aware of the building's so-called curse, and, as morbid as it may seem, it was a rumor that Jan had to see to believe. Now, it wasn't long before this intention was set into motion, because almost immediately upon moving in, she saw what she was looking for. In her own words, it was a monstrous moving shadow, one that seemed to follow her around the apartment. I know, that would be enough to send most of us packing. But Bartel, on the other hand, remained collecting paranormal experiences as the time passed. On one occasion, for instance, Bartell encountered a ghostly male figure while walking down the hall to her apartment. Intrigued, she boldly reached out to touch the apparition, only to feel a peculiar diaphanous substance, an ethereal touch that left her fingers chilled to the bone. Jan Bryant Bartell wrote about this experience in her book entitled Sandrift, Spray from a Psychic Sea, where she recounts the chilling story of her time living on 10th Street, 
Eerily enough, this manuscript was released shortly after her own mysterious and untimely demise, leading many to believe that she too had fallen victim to the house of death. As always, I will have Sandrift linked in today's show notes at hauntscast.com. And if you're curious enough to learn about this alleged curse, I encourage you to check it out. But for now, I will leave you with this. The apartments at 14 West 10th Street still function as active property rentals, nestled in the heart of a popular New York neighborhood. Meaning that these charming units are theoretically up for grabs, almost as if they are waiting for the next unsuspecting tenant to come along and sign a lease. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.